the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer, San Diego. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Ed Martin here in the Pro-America Report. Great to be with you and uh, so pleased. It is just such an interesting time. And today, well, I'm not going to let us get distracted by Ruth Bader Ginsburg's uh, horrendous cancer. And the question I've asked, which is I got in trouble with my wife. I didn't get in trouble with anyone else. They didn't. But I, in, in this modern times, in these modern times, you, when someone says that they're 87, they have 16 types of cancer, including a recurrence of liver cancer. There is a conversation about hospice. There is. Now, I'm a big pro-lifer, so I actually don't like hospice. I think they're awfully quick. There are some people who are now studying whether during the Wuhan virus time, there's not a very quick hook where people get sent to hospice. So there's a lot to this. But anyway, I got in trouble. I'm not going to talk about Ruth Bader Ginsburg. I'm not going to talk about the president's campaign uh, manager changes. Who cares? Doesn't matter. I'm not going to get distracted by any of these stories. I'm going to get us back to one of the most important issues that is facing this country and will be at stake in this election. And we've got to cover it a lot between now and the election because it's slipping past us yet again. And it's slipping past us because because. The establishment and the mainstream media and everybody would prefer that we not talk about it. And that is, of course, immigration and the question of illegal immigration, the question of legal immigration, all those things that are surrounding this election. They're the number one thing. So in a few minutes, we're going to have an interview with Lloyd Marcus, African-American funny dude, man. He's a funny, funny activist. He does pro-life, uh, excuse me, pro-Trump songs. And then I've been waiting for this interview for a long time, about a week and a half since his book came out. Joel Pollack will join us from Breitbart. Joel's got a new book called Red November. Now, the, t- the subtitle is, Will the Country Vote Red or, or for Trump or Red for Socialism? That's the, the, the title of the book. The book is actually more, more interesting than the title. Because the title is, like, well, is that what the election's about? Actually, the book is about his experience covering the um, uh, Democrat uh, primary. And it's really interesting. Joe Pollock's a great writer, so we'll talk with him. But back to what you need to know today. The number one issue, and again, it's, a, it's, a, it's the top issue in this election. And it's being lost because they're trying to distract us with the Wuhan virus. Very serious. You know, the, the how do we go back to school? Very difficult. All these kinds of things, right? They're trying to get all the different kind of uh, scenarios all these things. But here's the thing you have to get back to. On the ballot in the fall is a choice. Directional. Yesterday, Joe Biden gave a little statement. And by the way, he looks so terrible in terms of his health. It's, it's really kind of elder abuse. It's really elder abuse that no one is intervening and saying, look, you're 77 years old. You know, you shouldn't have to go through this. This is really mean. It's really elder abuse. If you were doing it to someone, if you were making someone be a, um, the, um, I don't know what, play a role in your life or in business, and they were as impaired as Joe Biden is, you would be in trouble for doing this to him. It wouldn't be right. It's really wrong. But anyway, yesterday, Joe Biden, he did a little statement. He read it and he said, I will reverse on my first day the Muslim ban. Now, there is no such thing as a Muslim ban, but there is 
a set of uh, a bands, a couple of them actually, of from uh, of of uh, a ban on tra- travel and in immigration from certain nations that happen to be majority Muslim, who are really nasty to us. That he's going to reverse that. Joe Biden said late last week he will seek actively a pathway to citizenship. That is amnesty for all the illegal immigrants that are here illegally. That's 20 plus million people instantly made citizens under Joe Biden. He said he'd stick with DACA. He said he on every question, he is on the other side of we the people. And here's the real problem with this. We've talked about it before, but who's in charge of America's immigration system. Is it we the people through our elected officials or is it the cartels on the border that engineer it so that people can come in? Or is it the big businesses in in the country that engineer it so people can come in and then stay illegally? We have 300,000 plus Chinese students who enroll in American universities right now. Is that a decision we want? Is that what we want? I don't want it. I want to change. You know, we have instances. I know there was one over at Breitbart.com. There was a, uh, about three, two days ago, there was an illegal alien, uh, who, uh, attacked jogger, attacked a jogger. You know, there's instances of violent crime and there's always violent crime in, in America, but it does bring you back to that Kate Steinle thing. Why can't we make it so that we worry about our citizens first? Why can't we do that? You know, the president's about to, I'm told, is about to do a, some sort of executive order to try to force an illegal alien count in the census because they will be allowed to count in the census. You know, a, a, a congressman, a Congresswoman Maxine Waters represents a district in California where more than 50% of the people in that district are illegal aliens. Think about that. I mean, this is crazy. You know, and, and there's only really two choices of direction now. It's the Trump Republican Party. A lot of the establishment Republican Party would prefer to go back to, you know, the soft on immigration. But the Trump Republican Party, another example of that is uh, in Florida, uh, Governor DeSantis signed E-Verify down there so that you are required as a business to check the status of people that you're hiring, right? So the, the direction is, or you're the, or you, if you're the direction of that, the Trump direction, or you're back to the uh, direction is the people who want uh, open borders and whatever you want, and that's the Biden wing. And so, and here's the problem, bigger problem. You know this, but but you know I'm going to tell you that you need to know it and hammer it home. Right now, we we have we're all immigrants, right? We're, in the history of our country, we all came here at some point, depending on how far back and all that. So of course, so that's always a canard, you know. They throw at you, oh, you're immigrants and immigrant. Of course, it's an immigrant nation, but the immigrant nation experience when you came to America after 1776, after 17 well 89 and 1791, we finalized the Bill of Rights. When you came to this country, you came and became, you assimilated into the American constitutional system, the American constitutional system, and you became a part of that. You didn't become a citizen of just another country. You became an American, and the America you joined onto had a certain hue to it, a certain Judeo-Christian ethics. You didn't have to be Judeo-Christian. You don't have to be Jewish or Christian to be here, but you had to subscribe to the Judeo-Christian ethic and be a, allow that to be the operating system with the operating manual, the Constitution, to make the thing work. And now, because we have 20-plus million illegal aliens and lots of failed education, lots of people that are really just mal, poorly educated, maladjusted, mal, mal, misinformed, 
And those are, they don't have to be, there's not a racial component to any of this, by the way. There's not an ethnic component. It could be, you could be white liberals, you could be black liberals, you could be old, young, whatever. And because they're misinformed, they're saying, well, maybe this America, we can welcome people here who don't have to become American. You can just be in America. You can be, uh, you can become an American, you could become a citizen of this nation, or you can become American. And we have always required that we become American. It's a part of our deal. And, and so what we're at a point here where for lots of good reasons and lots of reasons you can see, let's take a pause. Let's slow down. Let's not let more people come in that may or may not be in our system for the right reasons. You know, there's, there's all kinds of abuses on the edges. You know, there's the, the, uh, the anchor baby, you know, the so-called anchor baby, a uh, birthright citizenship where we get, you know, tens of thousands of people who come here, have a baby, the baby becomes a citizen, and then it kind of brings in the rest of the family. But that's a small potatoes compared to 20 million illegal aliens becoming citizens. And the tens of millions that would come as soon as we would say that would be the system. So that's what's at stake. What you need to know is what's at stake in the fall election, besides all these other things they talk about, Joe Biden this and Donald Trump that, is who's going to decide what America looks like and is. And by the way, that's not a race question. There's plenty of uh, dark skin, light skin, brown, black, whatever, white people who have the same positions I'm talking about and some that don't. It's not about your color. It's about what you're buying into in America. That's what you need to know. And that's what's at stake. That's what's at stake. And that's what we're going to be. We're going to be talking more about. And you're going to be hearing more about. And you're going to be seeing more about. And I think that there's more Americans than ever that agree with the president on putting Americans first before we get to welcoming and changing our world around our nation, our health system, our education system, all of which are of huge costs because we're taking care of illegal aliens. Before we do all that, we're going to put Americans first. That's what's on the ballot. That's what's on the ballot. In the fall. All right, we had to take a break. When we come back, I said we'll have some, uh, we'll have the great uh, Lloyd Marcus, and then we'll talk with uh, Joel Pollack. It's Ed Martin here on a Pro America Report. Be right back. This is the Pro America Report on The Answer San Diego. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Great to be with you again. I've been looking forward to speaking with this gentleman for a while. I've seen his stuff. He, his name is Lloyd Marcus, and he is a, uh, well, he's a performer. He's a, an activist. He's uh, a voice that's uh, been incredible in lots of different ways. Uh, but right now, he's got a new, well, a song that's catching on or is, has been catching on called Trump Train 2020, which is one of the things I was smiling when I was listening to it. He also had done the American Tea Party anthem back in the day and uh, we the people a bunch of stuff like i said he's he's an activist that's true but he's a, a writer a songwriter and a performer so well, lloyd marcus welcome to the program how are you how are you today okay sir i have to tell you that Uh-oh. that right now yes. right now i have <laughs> fully i have fully embraced the black lives matter agenda and therefore as a white person you must refer to me as your royal supreme blackness. <laughs> 
All right. Well, that's good. Can I, can I short Royal RS? How about RSB? I'll shorten it to RSB. RSB. You could put, hey, you could put that, you could put that after your name like people are sometimes knights. You could be Lloyd Marcus RSB, you know, Royal, what was it? Royal, uh, uh, there you go. Anyway, well, that's great. Well, listen, first of all, Lloyd, um, I, and I want to make sure LloydMarcus.com for folks that want to check it out. Also, TrumpTrainUSA2020.com. But Lloyd, uh, serious question. You, you, you probably do get, I mean, every day abuse from the African-American community, right? I mean, I hear this all the time, but you must get it every day. Is that right? Oh, but yes, but like, really, I do not care about that because I am on the right side. I am on the Lord's side. This whole Black Lives Matter uh, thing uh, is basically evil, reverse racism, uh, the lie that America has systemic racism. That's a lie. Uh, black Americans are only 13 percent of the population. So what that means is that white America elected a black president. Two times. Plus, Oprah Winfrey is worth $2.6 billion. I mean, like, I would love to have that kind of systemic uh, racism. And then the other thing, too, I want to uh, talk about, this whole myth about uh, police and we need police reform. There were 10 blacks shot by uh, police last year. And uh, and the majority of them, if not all of them, were righteous shoots. Uh, Heather McDonald has done tremendous research, and her data confirms that the greatest defender of black lives for years have been the police. Every single weekend in cities like Chicago, Washington, D.C., and Baltimore, 30 to 40 blacks are murdering one another. Uh, how come those black lives uh, do not matter. And just, I want to say one other thing about this black yep. lives thing. Black women are only 14% of the birthing population, and yet 36% of all babies aborted in the United States are black babies. How come those black hmm. lives do not matter? So this whole thing about the George uh, Floyd thing and black lives matter, it's an evil, racist scam and and we need to have more people saying no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're talking with Lloyd Marcus. Lloyd, can I ask you the one the one area that I want to though say is I, I'm fr- I'm from St. Louis, Missouri for many years. I actually live out near near the swamp now. But in St. Louis, the thing that always marvelled was a marvel to me was how bad our school system was and how the public school system in cities like St. Louis it was almost entirely uh, you know poorer uh, African Americans and you know black and brown kids, some white kids, but and and, mm-hmm. and and year after year, the system was just, it was just crap. And they spent a fortune right. and you never had a march on anything over the, I mean, I'm from St. Louis. Ferguson happened. They're like, Ferguson was a nice, is a nice town. It's a nice community. Right. It's actually very much integrated. But five miles away is the St. Louis city schools, which is just devastating people. Why don't, why don't African Americans say, look, the one way we know we could get it changed. We can't, you can't make us have uh, uh, all of our families stay together, mother and father. You can't make that happen overnight. But you could do something like school choice dramatically to get some kids a break and get out. Where am, what am I missing here? Oh, uh, did you watch that wonderful documentary uh, years ago called uh, Waiting for for uh, Superman? Super, Superman, was, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yes, uh, that was really exposing how, like, all of these black parents who want their talented and gifted 
kids to be taken out of those horrible schools and and be put in charter good schools. And guess who fought mm-hmm. it? Tooth, tooth and nail, the Democrat Party, and this is what black people should be uh, protesting about. If they're going to go out in the street and protest, this is is what they should be protesting about. Uh, uh, I heard that like the right there in Baltimore, where I'm originally from, most of the kids they graduate uh, cannot even read their diplomas, and they are trapped in these horrible, failing schools, and everywhere that is happening is cities controlled by Democrats. Why are the Democrats doing that? Because they have this uh, loyalty to the teachers' union, and also, too, uh, by having them in these uh, public schools, they no longer teach reading, writing, and arithmetic. Uh, uh, They teach us uh, social justice and LGBTQ. Uh, The Democrats want kids to have an abortion without parental consent. Uh, They want kids to change their sex without parental consent. I mean, that's insane. Mm -hmm. Uh, we have failed big time. Uh, my, uh, my mother was was a, a little short, stocky black lady, and if I came home and, and told her that they were uh, <laughs> teaching me about LGBTQ, my mother would have went down there and kicked the principal's door in. <laughs> uh, right. Well, but uh, we have tolerated this, and so has the church, too. Yeah. All right. Now, um, I'll be, we're going to we run out of time. These things are so quick. And I, but I want so I want to ask you, Marcus, you, you, you must have this happen. I, I work a, a tent for the Republican Party near my house at the farmer's market. And I get people that come over and they kind of say from the side of their mouth, they're like, I'm for Trump. But I don't I can't tell anybody. I want to just say, you know, I'm for Trump. And you hear that a little bit about the minority community. But what do you tell somebody that comes to you and says, you know, I'm sick of all this, but, you know, I'm an African-American. I want to be for Trump. Why am I? Why should I be for Trump? What's the what's the kind of, you know, elevate? speech on why Trump's good for, you know, X community or you, you know, someone says that to you? Well, well, the first thing that pops pops in my head is that Trump has black unemployment at historic lows. Uh, black people prospered big time under uh, Donald Trump before this COVID uh, nonsense, uh, and they right. suffered big time under Barack Obama. So uh, that's the main thing uh, that they should vote for Trump. And then if they are black folk who call themselves a born-again Christian, the whole Democrat uh, platform is anti-biblical. I mean, my goodness, they want to abort babies even after they are born. Don't tell me you are a follower of Christ and uh, and you support that. But right. uh, but uh, we have to have Trump or, like, I have to tell you, if Trump is not re-elected, we're going to lose this country. And this is why I wrote and recorded my Trump Train 2020 song. They, they got to hear it, play it, and crank it, and crank it up. Yeah, is uh, is um what what uh, back to for one second back to the the uh, the you mentioned you're a born again Christian, isn't it, isn't that like one of the most insulting things that Joe Biden could say is to black people if you're if you have to think about who to vote for you ain't black as if the black people are one block right one non thinking block of voters I mean it's unbelievable isn't it so insulting? Uh, uh, yeah, but that's the way that they have looked at us for years. 
and they also have sent us the message for years that we are stupid. Uh, remember, uh, Joe Biden says says t- uh, to have a photo ID. Uh, uh, he said to require voter ID to vote would disenfranchise blacks. Now, Ed, you have to have a photo ID to <laughs> cash a check and right. get on an airplane, but some, uh, but somehow it is way too challenging for blacks to get a photo ID <laughs> to vote. Yeah. Uh, uh, look, uh, look, I know that it was really hard, but I found my way downtown, and there was this big building that said a Department of Motor Vehicles, <laughs> and I went in there, and they took my picture, and I got a photo ID. It was really challenging, but I did it. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing. That's amazing. All right. Hey, Trump Train. It's Trump Train 2020. Trump Train 2020. You can hear Lloyd Marcus at Lloyd Marcus on Twitter and also uh, his website which is LloydMarcus.com. You can hear in that laugh and his uh, joy uh, at, uh, at, well, being a good Christian man and American. So thank you very much, uh, uh, Lloyd, for the time. Keep in touch. We'll have you back on again soon. Thank you, my brother, Ed. Okay, talk to you soon. We'll talk soon. Let's take a quick break and be right back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Be back in a moment. This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer San Diego. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Our next guest is our old friend Joel Pollack. He's the senior editor-at-large and also the in-house counsel at Breitbart News. He's a, uh, well, he's a highly educated fellow at Harvard as well as a master's degree from the uh, University of Cape Town, if I recall correctly. Here's the detail, Joel, that I want to mention to you that's probably the most valuable thing. I had forgotten this if I knew it, and that is that Joel Pollack was also a Republican candidate for Congress in Illinois back during the Tea Party days, and you know, the late Phyllis Schlafly, Joel, used to say that one of the most important things that she ever did was run for Congress and lose, because you, if you win, you think you're a genius and you have to serve in Congress. But if you lose, you never forget how, you never forget how it is to be a candidate. And so when you were, in your, in your case, when you're writing on this, and Phyllis Schlafly's case, when she was, you know, working on how to influence and get policies forward, you know how candidates and then, and then, uh, people in office, uh, uh, you know, how they function. So your newest book, Joel, came out last week is called Red November. Will the country vote red for Trump or red for socialism? So first, welcome, uh, Joel. How are you today? I'm great, Ed, and thanks so much for having me on your show. Well, it's good to have you. So I want that's the thing about the book. I read it and I was really pleased is it's actually it's about it's about the campaigns. I mean, it's about the policies, but you're in the middle of the Democrat primary and you're you're writing about the experience of seeing the candidates and, and where they end up. First of all, how, how was it for the Breitbart guy to be inside of a Democrat primary a campaign covering it? Was it pleasant? Was it ugly? What was it like? Most of the time, it was it was fine. There were very few ugly interactions, although you can expect some on the campaign trail. There were obviously the usual scuffles in the spin room and so forth. But the only really negative interaction I had was with Beto O'Rourke's campaign, where they kicked me out of an event at an historically black college. And in a sense, that was the beginning of the end for Beto O'Rourke's campaign, because he was already struggling along. He was trying to reboot, restart his campaign. 
And the last thing he needed was a fight with a journalist over freedom of the press and free speech. But he created that situation <laughs> for himself because I think he, like many on the left, think they're in favor of press freedom until that rare occasion when a press uh, outlet or a journalist actually criticizes them, which is not a usual experience on the left. And it just showed that he wasn't quite ready for prime time. And I talk about that in my book. But it was a rather humorous episode, and many of the things that happened on the campaign trail were quite interesting and funny. And so I think the book is very entertaining, even if the themes are also very serious. Well, and I think that, too. That's what I was going to tell you. It's it's one of those books where you're kind of fascinated by the characters and all, and, and it really moves along. It's not a book only about the policies, but inside, we're talking again with Joel Pollack, and uh, of course, he's from Breitbart, does a lot there, but his book is called Red November, out recently available wherever you find books. Uh, uh, and But one thing in your book, you talk about how the Democrat Party got so extreme in terms of the issues because it's not a moderate party anymore and is it is it fair to lay a lot of it at the feet of the sanders movement is that fair is it is it is it more that they the media got them there what's your what's your really sort of takeaway well there are many reasons that the left wing has taken over the democratic party but in any case where a small group of extremists is able to dominate an old institution, you have to look at the failures of those leading the institution. And in this case, it was the failure of the Clintons, basically, to win the election, first of all. I mean, they were defeated. But secondly, in defeat, they really refused to accept their defeat. And they went in for these conspiracy theories like Russia collusion and so forth. So they really lost the plot. I mean, they were really at a remove from reality. And the Bernie Sanders wing of the party, although they're out in left field with their policies, they actually understood something of why Trump won, because Trump was speaking to working-class Americans going right into the heart of the blue coalition in those democratically-run states, talking about trade and immigration and so forth. And Bernie Sanders was talking about some of those issues. So it was less of a surprise to the Bernie Sanders camp that Trump won by running on some of the same issues, especially trade. And in fact, Trump canceled the Trans-Pacific Partnership and renegotiated NAFTA, created the USMCA. These were all things that the Bernie Sanders left-wing part of the Democratic Party had wanted to see. And here you have a conservative Republican president doing them simply because he put America first, because he was focused on the welfare of the American worker. And that's why the Bernie Sanders wing was just better organized. They accepted Trump's victory. They understood it. They didn't try to describe it as illegitimate. They didn't like it, and they don't like him, and they're quite radical in what they would like to do to replace him. But they were better organized, and they got their act together. The establishment of the Democratic Party was unprepared for an election loss in 2016, and they went right in for the conspiracy theories. There was a great piece in the Wall Street Journal that I quote in my book talking about how the Democrats' center had basically radicalized in less of an ideological way, but certainly in a political way. They, they started going in for conspiracy theories and all these other crazy ideas about who Trump was and what he represented. And even to this day, Joe Biden, who is sort of a more centrist candidate within the Democratic Party, right now he's so far left, he's the most left-wing presidential candidate we've ever had in our history. But he is more to the center of the party, and even he is basing his campaign on uh, some of these conspiracy theories. Uh, he's been making a lot of statements recently about Russia collusion, for example, or foreign interference. I mean, all of that is just mythological for the most part. It's not that other countries don't right. intervene. It's just, it's just absurd to think that that's why Donald Trump became president. But 
they still haven't come to terms with it. And, and then you add up all the other stuff, the Hollywood influences, the cultural indoctrination of universities and so forth, and you get to where we are today. We're talking with Joel Pollack, and again, Joel's book, he's the senior editor-at-large and in-house counsel at Breitbart News. His book is Red November. Um, Joel, the uh, what's the, when you're out on the trail um, and you see, uh, did you, your your book ends, or you end right at the primary, and so who would know that as the primary's ending, you know, we're going to go into the, the Wuhan virus, and now Black Lives Matter. You know, when the primary ended, did you think to yourself as you're finishing the book, well, they got what they wanted. The Democrats got a candidate that they can kind of wrap around or did you think they sort of stumbled to the end it was definitely a stumble i mean by the time the iowa caucuses came around first of all they were trying to impeach the president and remove him so they had basically right. disrupted their own primary process then they had candidates in iowa that nobody really wanted van jones on cnn basically said he wasn't seeing anything in these six remaining candidates, all of whom were white, by the way. So they went from the most diverse field in history to just a bunch of white candidates. Van Jones said there was nothing exciting about any of the Democratic presidential candidates. And almost out of despair, I think Democratic voters started turning to Bernie Sanders to say, well, if we can't win against Trump, we at least want to go out fighting for what we believe in. And Sanders really speaks to the core, to the base of the Democratic Party, which is actually socialist. And... So Sanders was picking up one win after another, and I think the Democratic establishment decided this wasn't going to happen. It wasn't that they were worried about running on left-wing policies. They were just outraged that someone who didn't owe anybody any favors, who hadn't been a Democrat, who was an outsider, was going to come in and basically take control of their nominating process and their party. And they weren't going to have that. They didn't want to lose control of the party. So they united against Bernie. They rallied around Joe Biden, even though he was an incredibly weak candidate. So weak, in fact, that Tom Steyer and Mike Bloomberg, after saying they wouldn't run for president, jumped into the race late because they thought Joe Biden was right, weak right, to win. Right, and, right. and they rallied around Biden. The problem was, though, that the base is so much with Sanders and his left-wing policies that they've had to move Biden to the left just to keep people involved. So there's sort of a very strange tension right now in the Democratic Party between the far left on the one hand and the establishment on the other. I think conservatives should be concerned about the fact that these two factions seem to be uniting. The one comfort I think conservatives can take, or the two comforts, let me say, is first of all, there's a lot less enthusiasm behind Biden relative to Trump. Trump voters are much more motivated to vote. And secondly, no one in the history of the United States has ever won by running against a country, and that's what Biden's doing. He's calling the country systemically racist. He says he wants to fundamentally transform America. He's even used the phrase revolutionary institutional changes. So he's running for more upheaval. He's running against America, essentially, and its history and its symbols. He's not criticizing the riots. In fact, he's criticizing the police. So those are really radical positions. Maybe they are different from what Biden stood for in his 50-year career, but those are losing positions. It doesn't mean he's going to lose, but typically candidates who argue those things do go down to defeat. Uh, we're talking with Joel Pollack, and his book is Red November. And Joel, um, you and then the and then the Wuhan virus happens, right? And the economy uh, is, is stalled out because of the the Great Pause, and it certainly has turned everything upside down again, right? I mean, in terms of making you know making a clear argument of why you need a a replacement of Trump five months ago when the economy's humming, you know, minority communities of every 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 carve out you could come up with, they were doing better. 
better than ever because of the economy just sh- shooting up, right? Now you can say uh, with a straight face, well, I don't know, maybe maybe a change can slow down this or do that. I mean, it's a very different environment than five months ago. And so here's my, but here's my sort of kill shot question. Is Joe Biden up for this race? I mean, just, I the, the, it's, it's a stark difference between that guy three years ago and the guy today. I mean, is anybody on the campaign trail really saying that to each other, the journalists or anybody? Well, the candidate said it, in fact. In Houston, back in September, uh, Julian Castro brought it up during a debate. He said that Joe Biden couldn't remember something he had said two minutes before. And the audience sort of booed, but yeah, they remember, all knew what he yeah. was talking about. And then Cory Booker backstage repeated it and said it was a legitimate question. So Democrats know this is a problem. They've just all tried to sweep it under the rug, and they're hoping that his vice presidential pick is good enough to make up for it. Yeah, it's a, it's amazing. All right, well, that, I got to go, Joel. Joel Pollack, the book is Red November. Uh, will the country vote red for Trump or red for socialism? If you can't get his book, just make sure to go to Breitbart.com. Every time Joel Pollack writes, it's worth reading. I can say that emphatically. He's one of the best uh, guys oh, out you. there covering things and seeing things ahead of him. His, his Twitter feed's good, too. So thanks, Joel. Thanks for the time. Appreciate thank it. Thank you. All right, we'll take another quick break and be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Be back in a moment. This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer, San Diego. This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report from Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. Mrs. Schlafly was a courageous and articulate voice for traditional values and common sense for more than 70 years. Now continuing that legacy, here's the president of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, Ed Martin. When America was introduced to the horrendous pandemic known as COVID-19, many of us were also introduced to the awful problems of online video conferencing. With spotty connections, confusing login information, software downloads, and forgetting to unmute, I think it's safe to say that none of us are big fans of video conferencing. Now, Michigan State University published an article alerting academia to a supposed unconscious bias in video conferencing. Leave it to the social justice warriors in higher education to take something unpleasant and make it completely unbearable. In the article, authors Amy Bonomi and Nelia Viveros claim video conferences are offensive to LGBT people. According to the authors, having pictures of your family in the background of your video call is an endorsement of traditional marriage and an attack on people who aren't in a traditional marriage. This kind of ridiculousness is the logical next step of the academic left. First, they started saying we need to be tolerant of everyone. The idea was that we could disagree with someone else, but that we shouldn't confront them. Then the academic elites started saying we need to accept everyone. That meant we were no longer allowed to disagree with LGBT people at all. Now they're telling us we have to take pictures of our families off the walls in our homes because those pictures might just offend others. I've got news for the academic elites. You can say whatever you want from your ivory towers, but Americans don't plan on taking down pictures of their families anytime soon. If family offends you, that's your problem. Nobody has the right to tell someone to remove pictures in their own home just because it hurts their feelings. Family is so worth celebrating. Phyllis Schlafly started the pro-family movement because she understood that our families deserve political protection. The traditional family is still the very best environment in which to raise productive citizens of good moral character and strong faith. I hope you'll take a look at the pictures on your wall. 
hang another one up there and celebrate the value of this great institution. This has been the Phyllis Schlafly Report from Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. The traditional family is the building block of our communities and country. That's why it's imperative to support strong marriages, respect fathers, and champion stay-at-home moms. At phyllisschlafly.com, we oppose the liberal attempt to redefine the family. To join us, visit phyllisschlafly.com. Thanks for listening, and join us again next time for the Phyllis Schlafly Report. Welcome back. Welcome back. It's Ed Martin here in the Pro-America Report. Great to be back. We're going to wrap things up. And don't forget, go to ProAmericaReport.com. ProAmericaReport.com. You can get the show, any piece of the show there. Interviews you just heard. You want to track down any of these segments, so go there, ProAmericaReport.com. And the show is also at TheAnswerSanDiego.com as a podcast, full podcast. Now, as of today, I am going to Florida, Florida, for the convention, as of today. Uh, there was some coverage yesterday. The sheriff of the county in which Jacksonville, Florida sits, said that they're not sure how they're going to do security, but that it was reported all over the place that they're saying they can't have the convention there. That's nonsense. It's going to happen. And uh, so we'll be there. I'll be there, putting down there and reporting live uh, from there. And that'll be fun. I've been to the conventions uh, before, so it'll be great. Now, uh, let's cover a couple things. I just got a poll sent to me by somebody who would know well, uh, a poll uh, out of the White House or out of the, I guess, I guess out of the campaign. And it shows Trump up in uh, in most of the states, you would think. And then the states that are uh, battleground states, it depends on which one. But the, but here's the key. This is what I want to tell you. I, I won't go into that poll because I don't know if I'm allowed to know about it in a, in a public sense. But uh, Richard Grinnell, you know, Richard Grinnell, who was the ambassador to Germany, then came home uh, for a minute and served as the uh, National uh, Intelligence Agency director and was declassifying all sorts of stuff. Pretty, pretty cool guy. Pretty interesting guy. He tweeted something the other day, which is really great. There was a Fox News poll. And the Fox News poll said um, that, you know, uh, Joe Biden is winning and, you know, uh, and winning based on the economy. And so here's what Richard Grinnell said. Here's here's the here's his tweet. He said eleven hundred and four people nationwide were called on the phone. And then he wrote, quote, hi, I know you don't know me at all, but can you tell me anyway who you're voting for? You can trust me during this crazy cancel culture. I promise. End quote. And then he wrote this poll couldn't be more irrelevant. Doesn't that feel right? Can you imagine if you're a normal person? I mean, I'm not normal because I'm on the radio. Andrea Kay, we're not normal. We we do this kind of, we don't do it for a living. We do it because it's part of who we are and we want to communicate. But most people at this point in our great cancel culture, the great cancel culture of 2020, if you don't have to tell someone you're for Trump, you don't. If there's a way you can kind of just get through the conversation, it just don't bother because you don't know if you're across the table or across the counter or sitting next to someone who's so Trump deluded that they're going to be really mad and hostile. So it's just not worth it. And more and more, I believe the polls and I I tell the story over and over again. In 2016, on the day of the election, Missouri, with a state that I know the best, my home state, was uh, all the polling had, had was saying over and over that Donald Trump would win by four. And all the different polls, they'd come together in Missouri, polls of Missouri, likely voters by four. Donald Trump won by 19 points. So it was off by exactly 15 and a half points off. It was like 19.5. So it was off by more than 15 points. 
And that's because when you polled in 2016, and it's worse now, it's worse now to be someone who says you're for Trump. Trust me, I have to tell people. I wrote a book. I wrote I wrote a best a New York Times bestseller on the conservative case for Trump. That's what it's called. And I've written three or four or five other books, depending on how you count them, on Trump. And I talk about him all the time. And so I, 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 and even I will be slow. We have some next door neighbors, one door over, one house over from us that we hadn't met. We moved in a few years ago and we finally got together with them. And until we got comfortable enough that I, they could, I could feel okay telling them, I wasn't telling them sort of how much I did. That's just that's that's where we are. So that's a great point by uh, uh, Rich, Richard Grinnell uh, and an important point. I think that makes a lot of sense to me. All right. Uh, one more on this is that did you know, after all these months and years, finally, the private equity company in China that gave like a billion five to Hunter Biden, they finally did. It's called BHR Partners. They changed their business records in April and they removed Hunter Biden from the board of directors. That's, so that's, you know, this is, remember, he's going to go off. And, and still, they still have admitted that he owns 10% of the company. So he's not exactly divesting in China. And again, you got to wonder if and when the, the, the news or anybody will ever, ever uh, cover this and ever let you know the truth of what's going on. Because they certainly don't seem to want to. So anyway, there you have it. Hunter Biden is, at least off the website, still in the ownership uh, of the billion dollars or whatever he got from a Chinese uh, venture capital. I mean, just amazing story. All right. Uh, Thank you, as always. Thank you to Noah, our technical director, for doing such a great job keeping us on track. And don't forget, go to ProAmericaReport.com. You can reach me on Twitter, at Eagle Ed Martin. At Eagle Ed Martin. You can go on Facebook. It's Ed Martin Live. And uh, you can, of course, always go to the uh, uh, Phyllis Schlaff and track down all our stuff there. Thank you for listening. We will be back tomorrow night, same time. Hope you have a great day. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Talk to you tomorrow.